Heavenly Father, we thank you for the great privilege it is to consider your word. We thank you for the minds that you have given us in this room so that we can comprehend the words that are spoken. And Lord, we thank you that we can look at your word, which has been preserved down through the centuries for us to open today. Lord, we pray that as we look at your word today, we may see your great love. Oh, Lord, may we be overwhelmed by the love of yourself towards us. And Lord, we pray that you may kindle in our hearts afresh, a delight in you and what you have done in the word becoming flesh and dwelling amongst us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what are you afraid of? If I was to ask you, what do you fear most? What would your answer be? I actually did a little test this week by going home of this question and asked my children, what do they fear? And Pippa straight away, Philippa, my five-year-old daughter, answered straight away that she fears the dark. The dark is her greatest fear. But what is your greatest fear? What are you afraid of? Well, the passage that we're going to look at this morning does speak about fear. And we're looking at Luke chapter 2 together. Luke chapter 2. And we'll be concentrating on verses 8 through to verse 14. So I encourage you to have your Black Church Bibles open to page 1014. Page 1014. And we'll be looking at verses 8, so little number 8, of chapter 2 through to verse 14. And we see that fear is mentioned by this angel that appears to the shepherds. We see in verse 10 that this angel appears and then he says, verse 10 says, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Fear is mentioned in this text. Now, why would these shepherds be afraid? What would they be fearful of, particularly at this moment when the angel appears to them, the angel of the Lord appears? Well, I think it's quite clear that they're actually afraid of the angel. If we read from verse 8, we read, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. What are they afraid of? It's the appearance of this angel and the glory of the Lord shining around this angel. Uh, They may not have been afraid of the dark as a five-year-old is because, of course, they're living out in the fields looking after the sheep. But then this sudden bright light to dawn upon them, this angel to appear to them, an angel who speaks, it caused them great terror. Why? Well, sometimes angels come in war towards God and towards people who have sinned against the Lord. The angel is a representative of the King of Kings, And whenever we meet a representative of someone who is a leader of a nation or a king, we can be a bit fearful because that messenger can come in peace or that messenger can come in war. If someone was to come from the prime minister's office knocking at your door, you would get a little apprehensive as to why is this person here, particularly if they're a representative who we commonly call a policeman. If they come, they represent the state, they represent the prime minister on one level. If they come knocking on your door, they may come in peace. They may come with good news for you. But we'd also be apprehensive that they may come in war towards us. They come with bad news, not good news. 
And so they are terrified here. But the angel says, don't be afraid. Now, why does he say, don't be afraid? Well, he tells us why they shouldn't be afraid. He says in verse 10, look with me there now, Luke chapter 2, verse 10, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. I don't come with a message of war to you. You don't have to fear for your life. Instead, I come with good news of great joy. And what is this good news of great joy? Well, someone has been born. Someone has come. And that person will bring great joy into your life. Now, how can this person that has been born bring great joy into your life? Well, he goes on to explain who this person is. Look with me at verse 11. What does the angel say next? He says, Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. The person who has been born over in Bethlehem is not an ordinary person. This person is a person who brings good news, great joy, because there's three things that are said about this person. Firstly, we see that he is a saviour. It says there in verse 11, Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. Jesus is a saviour. And what does he save us from? Well, ultimately, Jesus saves us from the wrath of God. We as sinful creatures deserve God's anger and condemnation for what we've done against him. But God has sent us a saviour, someone who cleanses us. And Jesus would do that. When he grew up and died on the cross, he took the penalty that we deserve for our sins upon his shoulders. And so he saved us from our sins and from the wrath of God that we deserve for our sins. There's two other words that are used to describe Jesus here as well, which tell us that it is good news that the angel brings. What else is used to describe Jesus? It says in verse 11, Today in the town of David a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ. He is the Christ. Now, who is the Christ? Well, the Christ is the Messiah. The word Christos in Greek is just the Greek word for the Old Testament word Messiah, for an anointed one, someone who was anointed by God. And in the Old Testament, people were anointed at different times. But then it started in the prophets particularly to be spoken of that there was one Messiah who was coming, one anointed one who would do great things. And now that Messiah has been born is what the angel is saying here. And then when Jesus grows up, he actually tells people that he is that anointed one. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah that was proclaimed in the Old Testament. If we just go over a few chapters into Luke chapter 4, Jesus reads from Isaiah. He reads from Isaiah and he says that the words in Isaiah are fulfilled in him. Um, we see in uh, chapter 4, flip with me over to page uh, 1018, Luke chapter 4, verse 18. I'll read from verse 17. So this is Jesus. He's grown up. He's no longer in a manger. He's in the synagogue. And it says in verse 17, The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed. Remember the word anointed is the word for Messiah. He has anointed, Messiahed me in one sense, 
to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. He reads this publicly, and then in verse 20 we read, Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. What does Jesus mean? He means that he is the Messiah. He is the one who has come to fulfill all those Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah, and that Messiah is to do nice things, not bad things, but good things. What does it say in that text? It says that he's going to preach good news to the poor. He's going to proclaim freedom for prisoners. He's going to give recovery of sight to the blind and to release the oppressed. The Messiah is a person of good news, not bad news. And so there is no grounds to be afraid if that Messiah has come. And also we see in Luke chapter 2 that the other way that Jesus is described, he's described as a saviour, he's described as a Messiah, the Christ. He's also described as the Lord. Verse 11 says in Luke chapter 2, flip back with me there if you've turned over to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 2, verse 10, but the angel said, Do not be afraid, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. What does the word Lord mean? Well, in one sense it can mean master. He's just someone worthy of our respect. But it's interesting, in the Old Testament, when they did a translation of the Hebrew into Greek, which was respected by many of the Jews, and that's what they read to read the Old Testament, they'd read that Greek translation, the word Lord that is used here was used to translate the name for God. The word that we sometimes pronounce as Jehovah or Yahweh, it was used as a reference for God. And so in one sense, this person who is born is very remarkable. Why? He is God himself. He is God who has been born. And so that means if he is a saviour, if he is the Messiah, then he has the ability to carry out what he intends to do. He has the ability to save. He has that power to save. He has that power to be the Messiah who proclaims good news to the poor and releases prisoners and gives sight to the blind. If you are God, you have power to do what you intend to do. Whereas we recognise here that we often have very good intentions, but we don't have the power to carry it out. And so the angel tells the shepherds, don't be afraid. Why? A saviour has been born, who is Christ, the Lord, God himself. I bring you good news of great joy. So that's the message that the angel has for the shepherds. But what relevance does that have to you today? You're not a shepherd. I don't know of anyone here this morning that is a shepherd in the true sense where they look after woolly sheep. What relevance does this passage have for you today? Well, the same proclamation is made to you today as well. Yes, you're not shepherds and I'm not an angel. You can ask my wife about whether I'm an angel or not if you don't believe me. I'm not an angel, you're not shepherds, but the same message applies to you today. The words, don't be afraid, come to you as well. Why? Because the text actually says that. What does the text say? It says, 
that this good news is for everyone. Verse 10, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people, all the people. It's not just for the shepherds out there in that field, not just for other shepherds, not just for Jewish shepherds. This message is for all the people, not just Jews, but for all nations. The Bible makes this clear that Jesus has come for all nations, not just the Jewish nation. And this news is for people of all times, not just those in the first century. It comes to you today. It doesn't matter whether you're male or female, young or old, sick or healthy, rich or poor. This message comes to everyone. It doesn't matter what your background is in religion either, whether you're a Jew, whether you're a Muslim, whether you're a Hindu, whether you're Buddhist, whether you're a pagan, whether you're an atheist. The message comes to you. It comes to everyone. God is a God who is over all the world. He's not just the God of Israel, a special little bit of land of this world. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He reigns supreme. And so when he gives news like this, It is for all the people, and that includes us 2,000 years removed from that day. But you might be saying, well, hang on. Okay, he says don't be afraid, and it's for all the people, but I'm not afraid. It's not dark. I'm not out in a field in the middle of nowhere, and an angel isn't appearing to me right now. Is his message really for me that I have nothing to fear? Because I don't actually have fear. Well, if we're honest, we all struggle with different fears. We all have lots of different fears that we struggle with in this world. We have fear of those around us, particularly our enemies, people who do not like us. They may be enemies overseas. I can guarantee you that there's people overseas who would be willing to kill you just because you live in Australia, and particularly once they find out that you affirm Jesus Christ, that you come to a Christian church. They'd be quite happy to do that, and you can get afraid of that, particularly if you start to watch things on the television, you read things on the internet, you can actually have fears about that, and they may even get exacerbated as terror levels rise We understand that we have fears of those who are enemies. And even, it's not just enemies overseas, but we can have enemies here in Australia. If you've lived to adulthood, there's a good chance you've got a few enemies in your past. People who you really wouldn't like to bump into. People you really wouldn't like to have power over you. And you can fear them. But you can also fear even people that are close to you. You can fear friends and family. You can fear people at work. You can fear your boss. You can fear anyone who has power over you, government officials, anyone that has power over you. You can be afraid of them because of what they might do to you. And even your friends and family who you think, oh, I'm not afraid of them. Interesting once you actually analyse the way that you live around them, that a lot of what you do is out of fear of what they'll particularly think of you, what they'll do to you, what they might say to you. I think Facebook and Twitter are a grand example of people's fear. They want people to like them. So they post nice things about themselves all the time on Facebook out of ultimately fear. They don't want people to think badly of them. And so they put good things up there. But it is interesting also when it comes to the internet and interacting with others that you can make enemies very quickly on the internet as well. We are afraid 
of what others think of us, what others might say to us and what others might do to us. And, of course, we are often very fearful that we won't be happy in this life. And particularly if we've lived any length of time, we've all got different ambitions, different desires of what will happen in the future, and we see that they don't come to fruition. In one sense, this is official name for it is the midlife crisis, where you realise that the things that you've wanted haven't actually eventuated. And so you're quite fearful of the future and what the future may bring because you know that you haven't achieved those things that you wanted to achieve by this time. But in one sense, we all struggle with midlife crises at different points. Children can struggle with unaccomplished goals. And even in your 20s and 30s, you can be struggling with things that are happening that you didn't see happening or things that aren't happening aren't taking place. And you fear that things are going to happen to you as well. It's not just about um, what hasn't happened, but also what can happen to your body. You might fear illness. You might fear different things that you've witnessed in other people that have happened to their body, and you fear that it's going to happen to you too. I've lived a fairly healthy life, but in a few recent months, I've had to face the fact that my hairline is receding. I used to think that my hair would stick around. But I've started to realise that the fear of potentially losing more and more of my hair through this life may to come to fruition. And at first it was a bit of a shock for me because my mum said, oh, your grandfather always had a good head of hair. There's no fear for you. But now it is a fear for me. As my wife cuts my hair, she says, oh, yes, a little bit further back this time, <laughs> moving further and further back, and there can be a real fear for me. Actually, talking about it at a Bible study this week. I'm talking about it at church as well. Uh, but yeah, one of the women in the church said, Yeah, 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 you've got to be really careful with men and when talking about their hair because it's a really sensitive issue. It can be a great fear for men to lose their hair. What can happen to their body in a simple way, but in more dramatic ways? Fears of cancer, fears of heart disease, fears of losing your mind. We struggle with different fears. We can even struggle with fear of death. We fear the day that we die, that we'll leave this world. And then there's the greatest of fear that we should all have, and that is the fear of the wrath of God, the fear that we will one day be punished for the transgressions which we've made against God, the way we've broken his laws again and again, the way we've slapped him in the face countless times, and one day we'll be punished for it. And so if we're honest, we admit that we are afraid, not in the sense that the shepherds were afraid, that an angel was right there and are we going to be judged? Are we going to be struck down right here? Are we going to be smitten? But we have other fears. And the wonderful thing is that this message from the angel addresses those fears as well. He still says, don't be afraid to us today. Why? Because today, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. That is why our fears can be conquered. How is that the case? How does this message conquer your fears today? Well, really, it conquers your fears by taking out the greatest of all fears, which I just mentioned, the fear of the wrath of God for sinning against him. Once that fear is dispelled because 
the Christ, the Saviour, the Lord has been born and taken that sin for us, all other fears fade away because the greatest of all fears has been dealt with. And so we have nothing to do except rejoice in this marvellous news, this good news, that that fear has been dealt with. It's kind of like a tactic you might use if you're ever going in a room with some people who are ready to attack you. You've got a few people in the room. I've never been in a punch-up in my life, so I can't really advise too much on this. But from my understanding, for some people, the tactic is if you walk into the room and there's five guys who are ready to pound you, you go straight for the biggest guy in the room and belt him hard, knock him down, and then hopefully the others all take a step back. Because if you've taken out the biggest guy in the room, then they're a little afraid of attacking you. And in one sense, that's what the gospel does. It takes out the biggest fear in the room, the wrath of God. And so all the other fears fade. They have no significance to you because you know that you have eternal life, that you are safe with God. That he is no longer your enemy, but he is your father. A loving heavenly father who looks after you. And so you don't have to be afraid of what people will think of you, what people might do to you, what people might say to you, or what might or might not happen to your body. You don't even have to fear the dark anymore. If you're a child and you're here amongst us, and I know some of you are, and you fear the dark, hear me, you don't have to be afraid of the dark if you trust in Jesus. The darkness has nothing to be afraid of because if you trust in Jesus, then you know that everything will be okay. No matter what jumps out of the cupboard at you, you will be okay because you trust in Jesus. And this is why I, as a Christian, love to celebrate Christmas. I know not all Christians celebrate Christmas. Some are reserved on the fact and they don't like the idea of Christ and Mass and the associations with Catholicism that go along with Christmas. But it is good, I think, at one point in the year, and very unlikely that 25th of December is the day that Jesus was born, It's good at one point in the year to remember why we should be rejoicing as Christians. Because a saviour has been born who is Christ the Lord. And sadly, I think we need Christmas sometimes so that we as Christians look like we are people who know this truth, who know the great joy that the angel's message brings. As Christians, we often look like we aren't people of great joy. And we show that we still struggle with fears. Fears from people who might hurt us, fears of what might happen to our bodies. We show that in our lives. And such fear can even be shown by the little time that we take to praise God or to thank God for what he has done. We might pray, but how often do we praise God in our prayers? How often do we thank God in our prayers? I mean privately, but also corporately. How often do you praise God in your prayers? And how often do you thank him 
One helpful exercise in your prayer life to do is one morning when you do your quiet time, and I'm assuming most of you do, when you have your quiet time, or in the evening, I should say, doesn't have to just be morning, in your quiet time, and you go through your list, you have a list of people probably or different things that you pray for, just thank God for everything on that list. Rather than asking for things for those people or for yourself, thank God. Only pray prayers of thanksgiving that morning. It's a wonderful exercise to do because it reminds you of how many good things God has done for you. And particularly, thank God for sending Jesus Christ, for sending the one who is Christ the Lord, who is the Saviour. We must remember as believers that all our fears are conquered through Jesus Christ because he has taken out the wrath of God. And so this Christmas, remember to rejoice and then carry that over throughout the rest of the year, which is one of the arguments against Christmas celebrations, is that we should remember Jesus' birth all year long. We should be rejoicing in it. Rejoice as Christians in the birth of the Saviour. Another thing that we can learn from this passage today and from the angel here is not just to rejoice like the angels do, that great company of heavenly hosts in verse 13 that says, Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace to men on whom his favour rests. We can rejoice like those angels, but we should also learn from the angel of the Lord that first appears and tell others this good news. We should tell others that they do not have to be afraid, that one has come that can conquer all fear. Conquer the fear of death, conquer the fear of the wrath of God and conquer every fear that you may have of anybody in this world or what might happen to your body. I'm sure you can think of people that are close to you that you care about who are afraid, who do not know about Jesus, who do not know him as saviour and struggle with fear of all kinds in their lives. Are you going to be an angel this Christmas and tell them, don't be afraid, I bring you good news of great joy that is for all the people that a Christ, the Lord, a saviour, has been born. Are you planning on being an angel? There's going to be many opportunities as you go towards Christmas. We've only just entered December. There's going to be quite a few opportunities at work, with your family, with your friends, to talk about Christmas. How many of your conversations are going to be about the way that the angels spoke about Christmas? That fear has been conquered through Jesus Christ. Make the most of those opportunities. Be an angel and talk to people about the message of Jesus Christ. And if you're not a Christian and you're here this morning, let me encourage you to trust in Jesus today. It is so marvellous that God, in his mercy, he didn't have to, in his mercy, in his love, he sent his son into the world. He could have left us dead in our sins. He could have left us to suffer the wrath of God for eternity. But in his mercy, in his love, in his grace, He sent a saviour and he calls on you to trust in that saviour so that your fears can be conquered. He's given you the greatest gift that has ever been given to mankind. Will you receive it?
Will you accept it this morning and have all your fears fade away because the greatest of your fears, death and the wrath of God, has been conquered in Jesus Christ? I encourage you this morning to do that because you can know the great joy that the angel speaks of here. It is great joy to know that your punishment has been removed. If you doubt that, ask one of the people here this morning. If you're not a believer, ask them, what does the joy of knowing Christ feel like? What does it mean to you? And if they have no idea, move on to the next person quickly or come and see me. It is marvellous. There's no greater joy than knowing that you have nothing to fear from God because you're now his child through his son. Let's speak with our God now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this part of your word that reminds us that we should not be afraid because you have sent your son There is good news of great joy, and it's for all the people. It's for everyone to hear. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help us to remember that a Saviour has been born, and he is Christ the Lord, and he died the death that we deserve. And we pray that you would help us to conquer the fears in our life by this one glorious hope that we have in Jesus. Lord, we thank you that you've taken out the greatest fear in the room, and we pray that all other fears may fade. And Lord, we pray for anyone in this room who has not accepted Jesus Christ as their Saviour. We pray that you would open their eyes and their ears to the truth that this angel proclaims, and we pray that they would in time know this great joy and rejoice accordingly. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.